Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. This is part of the Sports Ethos family of podcasts, so check them out on Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S, online, sportsethos.com. You can follow me on Twitter if you're so inclined. I'll say it again, I said it too fast. You can follow me on Twitter if you are so inclined, at CorbinNBA. That's where you'll see my stuff there. And Round Ball Ramble is a part of that. And guess what? We are less than a month before the trade season is over and the deadline day is here. And with that, we're going to kick off the series I tease at the end of this year coming in, which was an NBA trade guide where I'm going to have guests for every team come on the show, whether fans of the team, interested experts, whatever the case may be. And we're going to talk about the team as, as they stand right now. Uh, Pieces that are available to be moved uh, in terms of uh, whether that's, you know, players, whether that's uh, draft picks, uh, players that we deem tradable or most likely gone, players that we deem untradable or untouchable. I mean, obviously, the Clippers aren't going to trade Kawhi Leonard, for example, uh, as we talk about the Clippers today and not bearing the lead, of course. Uh, Favorite trades that we like for these teams, least favorite trades that we see all over Twitter, you know, Instagram, Facebook anywhere else that we don't like for these squads. And then last but not least, team trade predictions, whether we think that the team will stay active, whether we think they will be more reactive, or whether we think they will stay put. And so that's more of the general baseline that I'm approaching these NBA trade guides with. We have different people on to talk about these teams exclusively. And so for the very first one, I'm happy to have on author, uh, scout, former basketball analyst, consultant, all-around great guy, Richard Liu. Cons- I want to say consistent guest, recurring guest, friend of the show. That's what they say for folks that I always want to keep having come back on. Uh, Richard Liu is here with me. You can follow him on Twitter, at RVLHoops. Uh, definitely make sure to check out his Substack as well. Great content there at richardliu.substack.com. Both pieces of information I just shared will be in the description of this show. So definitely make sure to check that out. But without further ado, I've talked here for nearly three minutes. Richard, how are you doing, sir? Uh, doing great. Yeah, great to be here. Always happy to have you on, man. I definitely appreciate uh, you taking the time to come on uh, and also being the first guest of the NBA Trade Guide. It just has things worked out. We were already talking and it was like, hey, I'm trying to kick it up this weekend. You know, are you interested in picking a team? You said yes, and here we are. So I'm really happy and want to thank you for taking the time again to come on for that. And let's talk about some Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, the Clippers right now, as it stands, 
you know, had a, a lot of hype going into the season, just how deep they were, you know, hopefully healthy Kawhi, hopefully healthy PG, Paul George, PG, and what they might be. Um, and what they are right now is sixth in the West at 22 and 21. And I'm going to kind of throw it over to you, Richard, to kind of give your thoughts on the Clippers as they stand right now, just what you like, what you don't like. What are, What is this team? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to kind of get a read on them just because, like, they've been kind of the po- the team that's been, like, the poster child for children for load management. So they're not always at full strength. So you can, that's why kind of why they're only about a game over 500. Sit, you know, really not pushing for, like, a top record, but they just kind of want to get into that top six so they don't have to play a play-in. And in that re- – and, and so – you see that their potential sort of in like little short bursts and flashes. And so, and you know, in the few times where they are fully healthy, you get to see what they have to offer on, on display where you have Kawhi, you have Paul George, and you have basically almost like 40 to 50% of all the like quality three and D wing guys in the league are on that team. And they all switch and, they all they they switch. They play aggressive defense. They space the floor, and and they can they can hang with anyone. And so they, they can hang with anyone. So if it's always matters just if they can get to the finish line healthy, they can be a factor in the playoffs. It's just you know there's we just a lot of time left to do that. So but you know they're still in position, especially kind of with the Western Conference being a little more wide open than it has been just because the Warriors have been, they've had their struggles on the road. Steph missed some time due to injury and their bench hasn't kind of gelled the way that it's, that it it was expected. And so, so they're kind of a little bit down. Phoenix has had some injury issues with injury issues with, you know, Cam Johnson. Also, they all have had to deal with Jay Crowder holding out for a trade, and, and then, um, but then there's a new group of sort of younger contenders kind of that have kind of emerged with New Orleans, Memphis, Denver, and then Dallas, where they're, they're, they're the teams right now sitting in the top four slots, but there's, they're, they're still kind of unproven. And so it's still a question mark as to how they're going to, you know, how they're going to fare sort of in the playoffs where, so the door's still open for this team, you know, at, you know, for this team, because we've seen them, we've seen them sort of, you know, at times sort of over the last two or three years where you can see them where you, they show the potential to make a, make a finals or a title run, but you know, they just haven't been healthy and haven't, they just haven't had, they've been healthy. They haven't had sort of the right break. So it'll be interesting to see how they approach this trade deadline. Cause I think they're, they really are one, probably one piece away from really being a solid contender in solid contender this season. I agree. And it's kind of weird to say that because you looked at the team going in, you're like, okay, you know, the West is kind of wide open. Obviously don't bet on against the Warriors. The Lakers had a lot of off season turmoil. You didn't know where they were going to stand. You know, the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, you know, uh, all these other squads, we're pretty solid. We need the Jazz blew it up. So we expected that there would be some turnover in this Western Conference. But, I mean, surely the Clippers, I mean, you know, just with the, the top two talent that they have, uh, one of the deeper rosters in the league, or, or so we thought kind of going in. Um, 
you know, we thought that they would come out, you know, with good health, of course, and really have a chance to kind of take a charge in this West. And so the fact that it hasn't happened, like you said, you know, Kawhi has kind of slowly turned, kind of came back into form, especially with his outside shooting. I don't think he's had enough lift on his jump shot. His three-point shooting hasn't been super great this season. I think it's warming up a little bit better now, but this is a guy that is shooting exactly 30% right now this season, so not super great. Paul George has been playing amazing. He's just been you know, dinged up, nicked up and out, right? And then the point guard's position between Reggie Jackson and um, John Wall, let's just say, has a little bit to be desired as well. Uh, it's just been a team that's up and down. They can't seem to string together any consistency. And I think that's been the issue for them. And you said it, like the fact that you look at this team and you're like, wow, you know, they're about a piece away. It's like, okay, that's not that bad in this grand scheme of things because a lot of teams right now are in that, quagmire of being a piece of way in this parody that we have all over the NBA. At the same time, looking at the team, we thought they would be the most ready to be a set it and forget it type team, you know? Um, but at, as it is, I think their biggest issues, obviously their star players are rarely available, uh, rarely available at the same time, always in and out. You've had a roster that has a lot of wings, but unfortunately this is a wing stop, you know? You need to have some guards. You need to have some more centers. And at the end of the day, I just think that their offense is also kind of frustrating. Yeah, it's like, yeah, they've, they've, you know, really struggled on offense. They're like bottom third of the league. It's crazy. They're, yeah, their defense, their, their, their defense has really been like, you know, kind of holding them up. They've, they've stayed, you know, they're, they're the, still the same, you know, you know, top 10 ish, you know, defensive team. And that's going to be what they're going to, you know, hang their hat on in the playoffs. Yeah. But the main, the real main issue with them is the point guard spot where it's just, you know, where they just, they just kind of what they just haven't had sort of a consistent guy who can sort of get Kawhi and Paul George the ball and also be a threat to score themselves where yeah with Reggie Jackson you have a guy who can you know gives you a little bit of a scoring threat is a credible floor spacer but he's not always you know the distrib you know his his distribution skills are somewhat lacking so there are going to be times where you know he'll He'll go. He'll he'll try to you know put put a shot up when you know the ball probably could be going to Paul George or an open shooter or Kawhi and so he, so there so you have that you have some kind of clunkiness on offense with with that. But then you know if you go to John Wall, he's a much better distributor, but he's not nearly the shooting threat. So then you know you get some spacing issues, especially if. John, if, if he and Zubac are on the floor at the same time. And so then, so then it's like, you know, you kind of, you, you, you are, you're always kind of missing something no matter which one of those guys is in the lineup. And then, so that's kind of where you can kind of see like, that's like the spot they definitely probably should consider that they, they would need to upgrade to over, you know, in the next few weeks. And so then that just comes back to you and you kind of scan the league and yeah, I, I guess, you know, you kind of, I, the team I've always kind of circled back to and kind of looking at like, okay, who could they target trade deadline wise is, um, is Utah, just Utah. Cause um, Mike, you know, Mike Conley kind of fits kind of what they kind of, kind of checks almost every, every box of what they need, where you need that sort of steady veteran hand that sort of can run a team, get the ball where it's supposed to on offense. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a good, you know, get reliable three point shooter. Mm -hmm. 
and reliable three-point shooter, you know, solid enough to solid enough defensively. So he fits into that sort of switching kind of scheme that they run. So that would kind of be pretty close to the, you know, ideal player, a little bit, a little bit older on the older side of things. So it kind of puts them, you know, kind of a little bit of a risk there, but you know, yeah. but then it comes back, but then, you know, the challenge is that Utah is better than we all expected. So availability is a little is bit a of issue, a, maybe. is an issue. But then there was a report that came out that, um, that uh, almost everybody is on the table, except for everybody, almost everybody for Utah is on the table, except for Markin and, and Walker Kessler. So, and this is, and this is Danny Ainge where, you know, he's, He's more, you know, kind of ruthless and rational than mm. probably most GMs. So he's probably not going to get caught up into the emotion of kind of where the team is now. So you, so if you, you, so if the Clippers, you know, made the right offer, you know, it could, it could, work. It, could it could work. And so one like idea that I kind of, kind of threw out was basically, you know, just it was a kind of a way to sort of to allow Utah to sort of stay competitive, but then they get an asset or, you know, they get an asset or two for the future. So it would be some kind of combination of Jacks, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, because a little, because they have kind of some extra, like extra pieces, especially when it comes down to playoff situation where Luke Kennard, great shooter, but, you know, kind of in the playoffs, his minutes get mm-hmm. reduced just because of the defensive kind of lot because he's just not quite the, the defender that the there. other yeah. other players are. So you kind of have this luxury piece that's great for the, you know, it's great for the regular season, help great for the regular season. It helps them manage the long schedule. But, mm-hmm. but in terms of trying to win a ring, you know, you know, it would make, it probably as a, a, a way to add to a trade, without needing to get without needing to give up too many without needing to give up draft picks that they actually don't have because they traded those away to get Paul George. Mm-hmm. So in order to sort of increase the value in trades, you probably have to combine, you know, Jackson, Kennard, add a young guy like Brandon Boston. And then maybe, you know, if depend you know, if there's if they gotta outbid someone, they probably have to throw in yeah, 2029 or 2028 first rounder with some protection. Something like that, but yeah. Yeah, if they get, you know, so to get, say, Conley, and then, you know, you, you know, maybe if there are some extra pieces that they could get, you know, and as well, like, you know, they could use a backup center just to, you know, just to, just to split some minute, you know, just so they don't overwork Zubach and, you know, in sort of, you know, kind of, uh, against teams that have like bigger bodied players. So Udoka Azabuki might get thrown in. If you need a shooter to sort of like situational shooter to replace Kennard, you get Simone Fontecchio and those, you know, the so that, that's like a three for three sort of framework to work. Yeah. But then it's like, if you, but, and then if, you know, if there's a chance you're aiming higher now that also kind of Toronto is a little bit, slipping and kind of falling out but again they're 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 actually at a place where we don't know what they're what 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 they're actually going to do as as far as sell or buy and so like if they actually 
are thinking of selling than Fred Van Vliet kind of also fits kind of the same kind of description that Conley does. And then he has, you have the added benefit of, you know, yeah, two added benefits. One is he was an all-star just as recently as last season. Mm-hmm. And then two, he has, you know, there's pre-existing chemistry that would, that would allow him to fit in with the Clippers. Cause he's already been teammates with Norman Powell and Kawhi on the 2019 Raptors. So it may actually take, you know, it probably it would take, you know, some lighter protections on a first round pick. Maybe they'd have to add in a swap or something to probably get to try to get Van Vliet for, you know, from Toronto. But along those lines, those two guys are probably the targets that would make the most sense for them. And, you know, at the deadline. I like that. Yeah. I I think that what you're kind of giving is is a, a kind of baseline set of players that, if targeted, you know, can actually help the Clippers and is more or less realistic. You know, a lot depends on, like you said, what Utah does, what Toronto does. Both those teams kind of being in flux. They could go either way, right? So yeah. I definitely agree with you there. Um, and I, I guess I have to ask you this. Would a John Collins or Bogdan Bogdanovich make sense? If it was, let's say, Robert Covington and um, Amir Coffey for – uh, Collins and maybe Justin Holiday or Kennard for Bogdan. What do you What do you think about that? I mean, I I don't know if it works really well for Atlanta unless they're looking for more shooting. But like, yeah, also I don't, going younger. Yeah, going it, they, it would go younger, but I don't see that as like a definitive upgrade. Given we yeah, like given that we've act, we've seen like flashes of what this group can do like especially you know the 2021 playoffs where you know just before Kawhi got hurt it seemed like they kind of some things started clicking into place where you know they would yeah they they could you know go big every you know for a few minutes with Zubach and then just completely unplug their then completely unplug their center center position and just go with you know go to small lineups with Batum and Marcus Morris. And now, you know, it's like if they, you know, they added Covington with the intent that they were going to, you know, they, they could kind of just do that. They could sustain that for, you know, for a longer period, like for a few more games or even a whole series going that way. So if you're really, it's like, I don't know if it makes sense to really subtract from kind of the group that's going to make up the most of their rotation to, you know, maybe try to try to hedge their bets a little bit on the health of Kawhi and Paul George when, yeah, then, you know, when, yeah, when healthy, you know, if they're healthy, you know, they're, you know, two of the better players in the league. So I think, you know, if it's, for them, it just comes down to this, like, you know, they have their system, they have their chemistry. It's just this one little weak area that's kind of just kind of causing them a little bit of difficulty. And so it would make, pro- it would probably make more sense just to up- try to find those upgrades there and maybe deal, try to see what, see what they can deal from their sort of, sur- a little bit from their surplus to try to just make that little addition. And then I, as far as, yeah, like, um, a guy they could that might make sense that actually could be available might be if they you know again like smaller deal like Kennard Boston 
maybe some draft pick, maybe some draft picks go to Detroit for Alec Burks, who again, who kind of fits kind of switchable wing. His playmaking has gotten better. Oh, playmaking, yeah. His playmaking has gotten better. Is spacing defense, and you know, so like if they could maybe get him to kind of throw, you know, kind of experiment with him into their point guard rotation to try to, you know, improve their, improve their, improve their, you know, ball movement and kind of just make sure the ball goes where it's supposed to. And that would, that would be an option to consider for them. I like that. Definitely. I think that's another interesting one as well. Like you said, um, Alec Burks does give you that, that, I mean, he played point guard. I don't know if it was super great, but he did last year a lot of that. Um, in Detroit, he's been a big help in terms of, you know, being able to fill it up quickly, kind of be that that veteran presence on the team where maybe it's utilized more with the Clippers because he can kind of be, you know, a wing-sized playmaker. Then that puts more, less pressure, that gives less pressure to both Paul, George, and Kawhi to both score and facilitate and let them be in their more natural mode. Not that they both are, not great passes as well for their own, you know, for respective positions in their own right. But last quarter, I just focus on scoring PG, not to have the extra playmaking load as well. And then maybe it gives a little pressure also off of both Wall and Jackson to be what they are. I think Jackson, like you said, is more of a traditional point guard. I mean, not Jackson. Wall is more of a traditional point guard, while Jackson is, is definitely more of a scoring-focused floor-spacing shooting guard. So I definitely agree with you there. Um, Looking at the Clippers, I mean, we talked about some hypothetical hypothetical trades. Um, you talk, I mean, we talked about some of your favorite trades you like for them. What are some trades that you've seen or heard that you're not a fan of? That you're like, eh, I don't really see that being a thing. Yeah, I think usually I'd kind of say anything. Like, I think like anything that <laughs> like, involves like that doesn't involve the point guard. Like, I think this one spot just kind of just sticks out in terms of just like this one like area this one position this one role just kind of sticks out so much mm-hmm. that if you try if you go like if you're trying to you know switch out any other part it kind of does just it kind of doesn't make it doesn't make a ton of sense just because also it's like the parts that you're subtracting you know the parts that you're adding in aren't necessarily dramatic upgrades over you know anyone you'd be you'd be subtracting where so it's like because a lot of their a lot of their team is you know kind of built on kind of this uh, this idea of just having all these versatile kind of versatile players that play you know they kind of play play you know multiple positions on the floor they guard multiple positions and so mm-hmm. getting guy you know kind of taking one of those guys even like you know one or two of those guys away and kind of going to something a little more kind of traditional kind of goes away from kind of what they what they what they what they like to do what you know Tyron Lue likes to do with his lineups where you know kind of it's a guy that you know you know is a guy who kind of likes to kind of mix and match depending on what the opponent is doing what kind of the situation on the floor is and for the most part this roster kind of allows allows you to do that where you know you can kind of you got multiple options if you want to go like you know five out small or they can kind of go with either Batum, Morris, Covington, kind of at the four-five, and then just kind of mix and match. You know, kind of put Kawhi and Paul George in two of the wing spots. You know, then you know whoever you got left with Norman Powell, Man, and and so then you know kind of 
So it gives him options based on, you know, who's got a hot hand or, you know, who's a better defensive matchup. And so if you kind of, anything that kind of subtracts from that is kind of something I'd be, you know, I'd kind of have second thoughts over. Yeah. So then, but then, you know, it just comes back to like, you know, the one, the one area where they just haven't, you know, again, they just kind of don't have a, a reliable kind of a reliable option is really, you know, this point guard spot where it's like, if you could, you know, just kind of get someone who can manage, kind of manage the, uh, kind of manage the game, run a team, get, get the team, get, get them into their sets and do, you know, execute what, what execute, how they're supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of makes everything kind of work a little smoother. And then, I you know, yeah, then kind of the other pieces kind of fall into place. Cause then you can, you know, you know, then, you know, yeah, like especially for someone like maybe John Wall who might fit a little, fit them a little bit better with his size, kind of playmaking, and where he can kind of be a little bit more of that sort of change up, sort of change up to you know for their second unit, where it's like you know he can still kind of do some things, transition, distribute, you know, and then you know as as long as you know Wall is kind of not the is is the only non shooter sort of on the floor with if he plays with four other shooters, then you you get some kind of effect where, you know, like that an effect kind of similar to how, you know, Rajon Rondo kind of had this effect kind of for the Lakers kind of in, in the bubble playoffs and, you know, yep, taking over in that yeah, way. Like, yeah. And that's, or, you know, it's kind of what, you know, like, you know, to an extent what Draymond Green does with like the second unit with Golden State where it's kind of, he's the setup guy. And then kind of, he has kind of shooters around him that he can kind of go to. So if, Yo, know, you can settle John Wall more into that kind of role rather than have to sort of overextend himself into kind of a as you know kind of a more like a borderline starter. It can kind of you know you can kind of get you know an improvement that way too. I like that. So basically, just not taking away from the identity of the squad. Yeah, that's basically. You want to make sure. Yeah, you want to make sure that whatever you're doing, you're preserving the the style they play. Now, I mean. Mind you, how this is, I guess, more of a, not a roster construction question, but I want to ask you, Richard, with the type of play they have, obviously a jump shot heavy team, specifically a mid-range heavy team. Um, I mean, if you look at most of their top guys, they definitely reside there. Most can stretch out to three, but this is their bread and butter. However, when you don't have your two elite shot makers in Kawhi and Paul George, it's harder to win that way because their diet of shots is just not a great diet to be specific. So is it worth changing it if you're able to diversify your offensive shot distribution so that it works with Kawhi and Paul George but also can thrive without them or do you think hey this is going to go as far as Paul George and Kawhi anyway so just keep what we have there at all costs yeah I probably it, it, it it's probably just good yeah it's going to go as far as those two but you know if you can find a like I guess this is where I guess of the two guys that I say would be targets Van Vliet might probably might take you know kind of might right now be like the top candidate just because you know if you get someone like van vliet who was you know again he was you know he was an all-star last year so like there he has you know some he has some experience kind of carrying kind of a you know kind of playing at a higher usage level so it's like maybe it's like if you get someone like van vliet where in the you know where you can have him operate kind of in a higher usage role kind of in kind of situations where like 
you know, Kawhi and Paul George are resting or if they're just, you know, so kind of so they can, so it kind of gives them a third guy sort of in certain situations, but he can still also kind of blend in and play his role. But yeah, I think, cause I mean, if we're looking at kind of, you know, kind of fig- in figuring out kind of how they play without kind of their two stars, they just really kind of don't have the assets to trade for a, like a, another guy that can really move the needle enough. So it's like, it, it, so with the construction they have, they're going to go as far as those two guys kind of take it can take them, you know, you know, if they can stay healthy. So mm-hmm. that's so more or less that becomes the can, you know, the, the biggest concern is that, yeah, it's just, you know, make sure, you know, trying to just get them in one piece, you know, you know, as they get to the playoffs. And so, but, you know, then the secondary thing is just, you know, kind of finding a, you know, just finding a, a consolidated rotation that sort of can actually help them win games when they get there. And they're you. really close. They're really close as constructed. They're just, you know, again, missing this one piece that just can kind of help them on, you know, can, improve them improve them enough on offense where they can where you know they can score enough score enough to make that you know kind of to kind of keep up with teams and then it you know also you know can give their de- you know can allow them to rely on their defense as they can kind of move forward I feel that definitely I mean at this point I guess we kind of it seems seems so straightforward Richard because I mean, we know what they are. You know, we know that there's not a lot of pieces that are going to be moved. Uh, we talked about players. I mean, I guess there's one more question I've asked you before I kind of get to my final question. But we went through some deals and, and kind of feel like they're more or less going to stay pat. Do you think there's any piece on this team or any player, rather, on this team that's more likely to be moved? Or are we really sticking with, hey, this is this is the team they have. They're, they're on this. I think more or less if they're looking at, like, who – who is who could be moved from the Clippers? It's likely like some of these guys that are kind of on the like fringes of their rotation. So there are some guys that just they're they're mostly kind of you know set in terms of just their value and that their value kind of around the league and a value to the, the Clippers as a team. So they're not. I don't see them subtracting from their main sort of group of sort of rotation guys. So that's so that's a group of seven eight guys that probably are not going to get moved. So probably, yeah, they're not moving Kawhi, not moving Paul George. Probably. Yeah. It's probably not Zubach, Norman Powell, Morris, Batum, Covington, Terrence, Mann. those guys don't seem like they're would be moving. Uh, And I think, yeah. um, Terrence Mann recently signed, you know, an extension that's going to kick in after not at, at, you know, yeah, he's, it's going to kick in sort of next season. So there's yeah, a little year. bit of a, a salary increase that's going to be kind of that's going to kind of make it kind of the trade math, mm-hmm. the trade math kind of difficult to kind of go to little it's difficult. So he's not so he's probably you know safe. But if we're looking, you know, Reggie Jackson's and has an expiring contract. Luke Kennard is kind of you know like is is in play just because he's usually the he's usually kind of the guy like when they've made kind of their 
you know, you know, when they made their playoff run in 2021, where, you know, again, he had a great regular season, but then when it comes to, you know, teams that teams that are opponents trying to match up hunt, he's usually the target. So mm-hmm. it kind of puts him kind of on the, more on the outside of their playoff rotation. So he could be in play. So though, so Jackson and Kennard are kind of the guys that would be, you know, there, there would be kind of the main kind of bait in terms of just like, in terms of, you know, salary matching and kind of adding value because they don't necessarily, they don't have, you know, they don't have many tradable draft picks to kind of work with because a lot of those are going to, Either, a lot of those are either going to Oklahoma City or they can't trade them for Stepien rule purposes. Yeah, and so then yeah, then if we're talking just young assets that teams are gonna like rebuilding teams are gonna value, um, Brandon Boston is probably the main is the main guy that they can dangle and kind of that you know that kind of also might be kind of an equivalent to like a you know might be he might be like kind of the equivalent to like you know a late first like you know, a late like first. mid late first and then mm-hmm. they actually would have young score 20, type. Yeah. Young, yeah. Young, young wing guy that, mm-hmm. you know, if he got minutes, you know, got minutes on, you know, a team like a Detroit or, you know, yeah. or something, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you could see, you know, him, you know, vastly kind of improve just by virtue of the fact that he wouldn't be blocked by all these, yeah, all the depth, these guys that are- <laughs> the depth is almost an indictment on these young guys because you mentioned I would say the same between like a uh, like a Jason Preston. Yeah, Jason Preston. Yeah, where yeah, he's also like yeah, yeah. We talked about point guard being kind of a little bit of a weak area, but you know, mm-hmm. with Reggie Jackson, John Wall, and the fact mm-hmm. that they are trying to be a contending team, Jason Preston's you know just blocked and not so that mm-hmm. you know that's another guy that you know that's another guy that they could you know again if teams kind of you know kind of see you know you know see see the upside in him you know yeah, another can, guy that can you know kind of can that can be a little bit of a deal sweetener and then you know they actually can trade either their 2028 or 2029 mm-hmm. pick and if they you know which and whichever pick they don't trade they could always include a, a swap on that so it's really just kind of like the more or less kind of the package is there and it's just a matter of like is this is this going to be enough to actually close a the deal? Gap. Consider close a deal, considering maybe other teams might have more draft picks in play, or you know mm-hmm. things. But you know, yeah, and that's so. something to think about too. Like you would say, like the gap between okay, the best we can offer these two young players who have potential that you might put on par with the late first round to say a future first rounder is protected from a team that's worse. You know what I mean? Or if you're a team evaluating the Clippers offer and other offers, it's almost like just use an example from a team I'm close to the Lakers, you know, even the Lakers say, okay, we'll throw in both of our first round picks. And I don't know, you know, Russell Westbrook, or if we're doing a Kendrick Nunn and Pat Beverly salary contract, let's say we're throwing all that for a Zach Levine or a Bradley Beal. If a player was available like that, that's the Lakers' best offer, where other teams can do the same first-round picks and some actual, you know, prime young talent, yeah. and they don't close the gap between. I think that's a similar allegory here with the Clippers. And, yeah, their best offer, they're trying to not trade away, as you're saying, a player of their team that's getting regular minutes, and they're throwing up these young guys. Okay, great, but is that going to be close enough to Team X's offer? You know, that's the question. Yeah, and so that's, yeah, so... 
largely, I think that it's, you know, with the Clippers are probably, you know, there's going to be like, they're going to be more selective in sort of what they, what they're going after. Cause you know, it's like, again, they largely kind of want to want to see how, you know, how this group actually does like, you know, at full strength and, you know, with, you know, Ty Lue as the coach instead of Doc, you know, Doc you know, Rivers. And so it was yeah. like, yeah, so. so you're great for his part. I think some yeah. of the rotations have been weird, but for the most part, he's still one of the great technicians yeah. in our league. Yeah, so, but yeah, it's like, yeah, like, so with that, you know, trying to get basically, you know, as close as get to full strength and be able to maintain that level also, just, you know, if they can make a deal that just, you know, just kind of raises that ceiling, just that extra whatever five to 10% they need to kind of just get out of the West and kind of take their chance, you know, then, you know, take their chances if they actually do get to the finals. And that's kind of, they're just kind of really just kind of looking for that last sort of piece to make everything work. And so that's kind of more what they, you know, what they probably you there that's probably what more what we are what what they're going to do and what we should expect kind of i was gonna say oh no i was gonna say you took my last question i have for you richard which is this like the clippers as far as the team trade prediction do you think that they're going to be active you think they're going to reactive or think they're going to stay pat i think yeah if if a deal like this isn't like isn't made i think they kind of are going to i don't think they're going to make a trade to make a trade for person yeah i think they're so yeah yeah i think they're just gonna yeah i think i think you know they're not going to be active just to be active i think if they can get this you know one kind of final piece yeah i think you know they'll 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 do it it's just you know a matter of can it can they actually are they actually going to execute and actually close a deal? And if like, if any of, you know, kind of any, any kind of, if the right player is actually going to be available for them to actually acquire. And so that's where, where I think, yeah, it's like either, you know, they're kind of in the like little more of the, you know, kind of, they'll probably, you know, take a little more, an approach kind of on the conservative side where it's like, they're probably not going to really do anything too drastic, mm-hmm. but you know, they can make this like addition, you know, and kind of sub out some parts that are a little bit sort of Less extraneous likely. than, you know, they can, and just kind of make this little subtle kind of subtle, but you know, impactful addition. They'll cut, that's what, you know, that's what they'll do. That makes sense. I get that. I mean, it, basically, listen, if you are a Clippers fan and you are also a fan of the trade machine, those two will probably not go together this trade deadline. Yeah, unless it yeah. involves Mike Conley and Fred Van Vliet. There you go. Exactly. So Yeah, one of those two guys. <laughs> definitely look at that because that's going to be interesting. If those two are available, um, and you're right, the Clippers will definitely put some pieces out, probably take some feelers because both those guys are interesting upgrades on the team. Uh, Mike Conley, I would think more short-term. I definitely would be high on Fred Van Vliet long-term, though. But, yeah, this has been a great little primer um, on a team that, you know, we don't expect to see a lot. If they do make a move, it's either going to be a very, very small move or it's going to be some fireworks. That that we can definitely agree on for sure. 
But Richard, thank you so much for coming on, as always, uh, giving your insight and helping out here with this and being the first guest of the inaugural Round Ball Ramble NBA Trade Guide. I really do appreciate that and your insight as well. Um, tell the folks, you know, the fine people where they can find you, your work, your Substack, all that good stuff. Yeah, you can find my you can find me on Twitter as um, at RVL Hoops. Yeah, usually I have updates on all the content that I put out. Um, yeah, I'm on, you can kind of search for my name on Amazon. They'll put, lead you to my author page and that leads you to all the, all my books, all my draft, my, my past draft almanacs, my past preview almanacs. Um, I'm on Substack at, it's called the addendum. Um, and the link, and the link is my name, richardlu.substack.com. And then I put out kind of kind of content to kind of as I as I go anything I kind of find interesting that I want to write on kind of put you know put it out there so yeah once again at RVL hoops on Twitter and richardlude.substack.com for the substack yeah definitely make sure to check out all of his work uh have a, quite a few of his books love his stuff there his amendum the substack is great uh he actually has a buyers and sellers uh series I think just kind of wrapped up recently right yeah, I wrapped that up kind of over the holidays. So, yeah. Um, so, very good okay. stuff. Detailed work and, and like like the guy has experience. Richard knows his stuff, so definitely make sure to check that out. But um, you can follow me on Twitter if you're so inclined, at CorbinMBA. Check out uh, Sports Ethos and their network of shows and content all across the board. Basketball, baseball, football, gambling. You have disc golf now. Like, disc golf, what? Check them out on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, sportsethos.com. Listen, y'all, there's been a great show. Plenty more of these to come, 29 of them, in fact. So definitely make sure to keep an eye out for that. But that will do it for this episode. So for Richard, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay frosty. And I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.